Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles. I I actually gave my outline to um, Tina. And then just at the last moment before I came out here tonight, I fell upon a scripture in Zechariah. And so open your Bibles to Zechariah, the third chapter. We're going to read there in a moment. But I, first of all, I want to welcome everybody online. Sometimes I forget that we're online. And uh, so grateful that you join us because, um, of course, it's better if you are here. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. It really is better that you come and sit under the Word of God. And not only that, you inspire others. As, as we gather together, there's a united, there's a corporate faith and a corporate anointing. So tonight we're going to do, uh, continue on the series called The Seven Redemptive Names of Jehovah. Hallelujah. And why is this important? Because it reveals, those seven names reveal the character of God. And the Bible says, because we're a new covenant people, the Bible says in Hebrews, I believe it's 8 verse 5, I believe that, I haven't looked it up, but you can look it up yourself. It says that we have a better covenant established on better promises. Therefore, what that simply means is that everything that the... um, God was in the Old Testament, uh, as far as the blessing, the redemptiveness of God, we have those same blessings in the New Testament. If you agree, say amen. Amen. How many believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I think that there were certain things in the Old Testament that God God got blamed for that he absolutely did not do. Because he's the author of life and not death. I believe most of the demonstrations of the curse in the, in the lives of God's people were because of the choices, that, the choices they made. Uh, how many agree that it doesn't help to rebel against God? Amen. Amen. Because the Bible says if you, if, you, if you sow after the flesh, you're going to reap what? The Bible says corruption. And they did. But anyway, so God is the same. So we've covered, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So we covered already uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Jehovah uh, Nisi, the Lord, our banner. And Jehovah Rea, the Lord, our shepherd. You go back and listen to those online. But tonight I want to talk about Jehovah Sidkenu. Now, people uh, got different pronunciations for it, but it's the same. The word Sidkenu, and we'll find it here in the book of Jeremiah here in a moment, but it simply means the Lord, our righteousness. Now, when you think about that, just stop and really think about what that says. Uh, Jesus Christ, he is the Lord, our righteousness. In fact, the Bible says, and I think it's in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Ours is. Amen. But we don't have our righteousness. We have his. Amen. Come on, work with me. We have his. Could I have an amen? amen? But in the book of Zechariah, I found this intriguing prophetic word from Zechariah. And here, let me read the first, uh, the, 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 the first eight verses of it. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. This is Zechariah prophesying. And Satan is standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said to Satan, oh, I just love this. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And um, 
he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. How many agree that if your iniquity is gone, that you have right standing with God? Amen. I mean, if your iniquity is gone, you have right standing with God. Can I have an amen? It's so beautiful. And then he says, uh, and, and I will close thee, God says, with a change of raiment. And I said, let them set a, fa- a fair mitre upon his head. And so they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by him. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou walk in my ways. Remember, remember every commandment, every commandment, or every blessing is preceded by a commandment. If, the Bible says, thou walk in my ways and will keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house and, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men uh, wandered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the word branch there is capitalized, so he's specifically talking about the prophetic promise of our Savior, the Lord, our righteousness. Now go, if you would, to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. Jeremiah was a prophet. Amen. And um, Jeremiah, the uh, 23rd chapter. Hallelujah. Now, in the beginning of the chapter, God is really critical towards pastors that are not true pastors. Uh, and we have them today. Pastors that only are pastoring, or it can be a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's just a profession. But number two, they pastor just because it's for their own self-benefit and not for the glory of God. We pastor for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. And we do. We pastor because we love people and want to see all of you grow in grace and truth. Now, in the 23rd chapter of uh, of verse um, uh, 4, God says, uh, well, I don't know, very, uh, behold, okay, verse five. Behold the days, I could have read more, but, but for sake of time. Behold the days come, says the Lord. Now, this is God speaking. That I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. And in his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Hallelujah. Or we can say uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, because that is his name. The Lord, our righteousness. Praise God. I said, praise God. We have someone representing us in heaven, and we've learned here a few weeks ago that he is the high priest. Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, is the high priest of our confession, and he's the high priest of things pertaining to God, and we'll see some of these things tonight as we move on. Hallelujah. So the prophetic promise that was spoken 630 years earlier came to fruition through the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Now, with, let me read this. Uh, let me just say this before I move on because I wanted to say it. Uh, without a biblical understanding of what it means to be in right standing with God, this is really important. 
without a biblical understanding of what it means to be in right relationship or right standing with God, you will have a difficult time receiving him as your shepherd, your banner, or your provider, or any of the uh, 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 names that he has called in the Bible. If you don't understand the biblical the biblical um, uh, means of, of, of right standing with God. Now, redemption or the redeeming work of Christ on the cross was twofold. Number one, it was to reunite sinners to, to God himself, to bring sinners back to God in an eternal, everlasting relationship with God, number one. And number two, it was to transform us into God's image and likeness. That is the twofold um, uh, reason for Christ for the work he did. Now turn, if you would, to Romans 1. Romans, the first chapter. We'll get into the New Testament now and uh, go from there. Praise the Lord. God really, really ministered to me uh, in the last few days. Uh, uh, and I've shared on this before in righteousness. But some things that you need to see tonight if you're going to be walking in right standing with God. In Romans, the first chapter, verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, uh, an apostle separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, meaning he was birthed, he was birthed as a human being through the virgin birth, why? To be a sacrifice for our sins, okay? And he was surely called the seed of David. He came from his lineage. And declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, not unholiness. That's right. I want you to catch that. The spirit of holiness. Hallelujah. And by, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom or through whom or by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, and so on and so on. I wanted to read that to you too because um, of the anointing and, and um, call on the, on the apostle Paul's life and now go, if you would, to verse 16. Paul goes on and says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the church, I want you to hear, hear me out because this is so important for you to understand. How many agree that when you're first saved, you're in spiritual infancy? You're like a baby. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know anything, so you have to be bottle-fed, and you have to grow. The Bible talks about in 1 Peter, the milk of the word, and you grow up and continue to grow up until you become uh, a mature, and maturity is simply you accept responsibility for what the word of God requires in your life. So at the time of this writing, the church at Rome was in its infancy spiritually, okay? Uh, they were uh, new converts, uh, spiritual babes, and um, I mean, just saved, and that was it. And so therefore, listen to this, getting detached from uh, a culture steeped in idolatry and immorality didn't happen overnight then and doesn't happen over, uh, overnight now. And then Paul, listen, he was dealing with 3,000 years of corrupt culture, I mean, I mean, like, like, you know, yeah, I'm trying to change the spiritual culture of these newborn again believers. 
In fact, the Bible, if you go on and read verses 20, 20, verse 20 through 32, he literally goes, and I wanted to read it tonight, but for sake of time, I'm not. Read it for yourself, especially out of the New Living Translation. He goes into detail uh, the spiritual condition of the nations at this time, such perversion that, I mean, that we, of course, know of today. Sexual perversion of every imagination, of every kind, and... Um, and, uh, and the culture, they, um, they believed, the culture believed that that was normal. There's nothing wrong with it. You, I mean, whatever feels good, do it, you know? And, and that was, and they had no spiritual guidance at all. And so Paul is dealing this. So he's endeavoring, listen to this, to keep these new believers from returning to what God had delivered them from. Amen. So then he goes again in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, for in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This gospel of Christ is a, listen, it's a life-changing gospel. I don't know if you've ever led someone to the Lord and then you walked away, but there was no evidence of a transformed or changed life at all. They go right back. They don't change one aspect of their uh, the altercation of their life, their behavior, their talk, their lifestyle, nothing. I'm sorry. They need to get born again. Amen. They may have said a prayer, but they didn't mean business with God. Come on. And so there has to be some evidence that, that God is in the house. If you agree, say amen. amen. So this gospel is a gospel of salvation, deliverance, healing, spiritual and emotional restoration. Amen. It is a powerful gospel, a life-changing gospel. Hallelujah. Now, he says, he goes on and says, the just shall live by faith. Now, he's actually quoting Habakkuk's prophecy in Habakkuk 2.4. Here's what it says in the New Living, New Living Translation. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live, watch this, by their faithfulness to God. So when Paul quoted that, it wasn't just the just shall live by faith. It was the just shall live by their faith and the faithfulness of God. And their faithfulness to God. It's a two-way covenant. How many agree that if you're not faithful to God, how many agree that why should God be faithful to you? Come on. Amen. There's a dual covenant relationship. There's a responsibility on your side, and then there's a responsibility on his side. Praise God. You honor his word, he'll honor his word in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's really, that is, that's the, called um, a, a, a true covenant. So, the God kind of faith doesn't have any power behind it without acts of faith and faithfulness on the part of the believer. Again, I want you to get that because this is talk, we're talking about righteousness here, okay? The God kind of faith doesn't have any power behind it without acts of faith and obedience or faith and faithfulness on the part of the believer. Just think about Abraham. He had faith, but he also had faithfulness because he stood on the word for 25 years before it came to pass. David had faith, but he also had faithfulness. He stood and endured hardness as a good soldier for 13 years before he got to the place where God had destined him to be. Joseph endured hardness and had great adversity and suffering for 13 years before God got him to his divine destiny. So therefore, he proved that not only did he have faith, he, 
he had faithfulness to God. Isn't that good? So I just want you to see the importance of these um, two things. Even James said, uh, faith without works or corresponding action is God uh, is, is, is dead. He expects corresponding action. So, though we find God's righteousness on display in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, the word itself appears first in Genesis 6. And here I'll read this, Genesis 6, verse 5. Okay. We're talking about God's righteousness now. Right standing with God. Okay. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Now, obviously, something took place between Genesis. If you read Genesis 3, where man transgresses, right? Then Genesis 4, we'll talk about Cain and Abel in a moment. But in Genesis 5, uh, after Abel died, that, um, uh, that uh, Eve had another son uh, uh, called Seth, Seth, uh, Seth, and then Enos. And it was during that time that man, once again, began to call upon the name of the Lord. So, uh, obviously, somebody started that, correct? But then from that point on, we don't know the digression. You know, uh, you know, we just simply know that man began to move away from God. It's not hard and difficult. People are doing it all the time and found themselves in trouble and more darkness than they realized. And the Bible says um, uh, that um, total, uh, there was total evil in, in their imaginations. Verse 6, so the Lord was sorry they'd ever made man, uh, them and, and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. The Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, animals, small animals, uh, large, scurry, uh, scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. But Noah, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Ah! One man found favor with the Lord. One man was worshiping this unseen God. And no other gods before him. Is that powerful or what? Amen. The Bible says this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blameless person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, listen. It, it, it's, it's, it says blameless. It doesn't say he never did anything wrong. But he knew who to go to to get corrected and get right back back in right relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. You have to always read the Bible and then study it for what it says, not just simply one verse and you think he never did anything wrong. Of course he did. All right. The Amplified said, no, let's go on. Uh, and, only blame, and, and he walked in close fellowship with God. The Amplified says he walked in habitual fellowship with God. Isn't that beautiful? So he understood, he created, he had a desire and a hunger to please this unseen God. He believed it was the creator and his Lord, and so he, he walked with him in habitual fellowship. Now, just stop and think about it, because we hear this all the time, and I, 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 I said it, and I, you know, that the world gets darker and darker, but that was no excuse, that was no excuse for one man not to walk in right standing with God, because he did. Surrounded by darkness, but he didn't allow the darkness to get inside of him. Isn't that good? Let me say it again. Surrounded by darkness, but he didn't allow the darkness to get in him. So let's define righteousness. We'll go on here and and just do a few more things before we uh, become 8 o'clock again. The word righteousness, again, is the Hebrew word sidkenu. 
It means to be right in a moral or forensic sense. To cleanse, clear self, to justify, make right. How many agree that only God could qualify, God is qualified to, to make that happen in our lives? Amen. Only God, okay? In its purest form, righteousness simply means right standing with God. Before you met the Lord, though you didn't know it, in fact, John talks about that, that you were a child of the devil, you were in wrong standing with God. Oh, listen, oh, but for the mercy of God. Amen. Amen. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says God died for the ungodly. Oh, thank God for that. I said, thank God for that. Amen. Amen. And um, so the moment you place your faith in the redeeming work of Christ and the depths of God's mercy and you call upon the name of the Lord, at that very moment, God forgives you of your sins and puts you in right standing with him. Therefore, at that moment, you receive God's righteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You do. You really do. God's righteousness. Now, the Bible says, and it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't do anything for it. He just gives it to you. Right standing with God. Stop and think about it. You have right standing with the creator. Man, I'm like preaching to the dead. I said, you have right standing with the creator. Amen. With the creator. You do. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17 says this, For if by one man's offense, that's Adam's, death reigned, spiritual death reigned by one, much more they which receive, they which receive the, abundance of, uh, the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, right standing with God, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Reign over what? Reign over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. Amen. You're supposed to reign in life, right. not live defeated in life. Praise the Lord. Didn't say you wouldn't have battles in life, but you're to reign in life by Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, go back, if you would, to Genesis 4. We'll run through this really quick and just kind of help you uh, receive uh, the godly perspective on God's righteousness. Amen. Now, in Genesis 4, Adam, of course, we know in the third chapter, they make the, the horrific decision to rebel against God's word and transgress God's word. Amen. And by doing so, uh, it brought the curse into their lives. And, uh, and even though, listen to this, even though God had a civil right to take their lives, because he said, the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, and of course, they did die spiritually, not physically. But he had a, he had a, he had a civil right to judge them and, 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 and um, take, take their lives at that moment. But instead, he chose a higher law called the law of love. Hallelujah. And, and, and inside that law of love was mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. Now give God praise for that. Is that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That was, that was in that law of love. And he restored Adam to his rightful place. God's righteousness was imparted at that moment to Adam, okay? Then Adam passed down his right, God's righteousness to his boys, Cain and Abel, okay? And while Abel preserved his right standing with God, listen, through faith in and obedience to God's word, Cain, the Bible says in Genesis 4, verse 3, King James, in the process of time, allowed the infectious disease of pride and rebellion to take root within, and it, and it cost him his right standing with God. Man, today we, I'm, I've been reading a book lately, it's, um, it's on discipleship. And it's been really good, but the gentleman talks about cheap grace in that. And it's amazing, man. He wrote that quite a few years ago, but he talks about cheap grace. 
and how that we have cheapened the grace of God by using it as a tool to walk any way we want to, and, and, and God's grace covers everything. Yeah, and, 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 and I get so grieved in my heart when I hear of Christians um, that just so willfully, uh, willfully, just so willfully and so stubbornly and so arrogantly um, live their lives outside of the boundaries of God's word and still think and believe that they have right standing with God. How many agree that on a daily basis we can miss it sometimes and some things? But we don't, that's not, that's not something we want to do. It's not something that's habitual. Can I have an amen? And so, so there's a difference. So he allowed, Cain allowed this infectious disease of pride and rebellion to take root within. And it cost him his eternal destiny. Hebrews 11.4, this is the Message Bible. Listen to this. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. Now watch this. It's what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. Okay? Uh, and what did he bring to God? He brought to God a, a, a sacrifice of reverential worship, thanksgiving, humility, and a heart filled with faith, hope, and love. That's what he brought to God. He brought to God a heart that was upright, praise God. Um, it, it was up, he was upright, um, having the character of God manifesting in his life. And the Bible says that's what God noticed and had proved as righteous. And after all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. What belief? That right standing with God cannot be obtained without faith in and obedience to God's word. Especially, listen, the exercising of faith, hope, and love. That's what Abel exercised. When they went out in that field that day, I don't believe Abel thought that his life was ending that day. I believe he'd been praying for Cain that Cain would make the right decision. That somehow Cain had gone on his knees and, and did a self-examination and said, I can't keep living this way. It's going to destroy my life. But that wasn't the case when we'll look at what really happened in a moment. So, there was a, that was the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain, over time, began to believe that he could, listen, be in direct opposition to God's word and still maintain right standing with God. That's why he was so ticked that God did not receive his offering. Why, did not God, why didn't God receive his offering? That's what people, why? Because it was filled with animosity and strife and dissension and criticalness and bitterness. It was, it was, it was absolutely... Um, tainted by the nature of Satan himself. That's why he couldn't receive it. I think sometimes that's why every, that's why, even that's why I can see it more clearly why Paul, when he came to, when Paul uh, came to serving communion in Corinthians, the church, you know, if you read 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and the, through the third chapter, there was contention and strife and fighting and bickering, even though they were the church that, uh, that of, of all the churches, they were the one that flowed in the gifts of the Spirit, but they were the one that uh, Paul had more trouble with regarding they couldn't get along. And so he says, man, when you take communion, you better stop and do some self-judging. 
You got to stop and look inside and make sure there's no infectious diseases of rebellion on the inside of you that is cause. He said, because that's what people are doing and they're getting sick and they're even dying prematurely. I mean, serious stuff. Oh, yeah, but pastor, we're under, we're under grace. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, you are. If you're obeying God. Then because Cain refused to address the iniquity within, uncontrolled anger took over, hmm, causing him to become something God never intended to be, and that is a murderer. Do you know there's guys up the hill right now that are living a lifetime for murder, which was never God's design for their lives? How many believe it was never God's design for their lives? And they're precious people. Amen. Yeah, there's some that are mentally deranged and demon-possessed that can be free. But, you know, a lot of guys up there, they just, they, they realize they just made a bad mistake. And, um, and uh, th- so they're suffering for it. In Genesis 4, verse 6, listen to this. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be, we've read this, will you not be accepted? The word means, I want to promote you. I want to bless your life. I want to promote you, son. Please listen to me. I mean, when God's talking, you would think we'd be listening. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must master it. What? Master your own pride-filled heart. And what's interesting, and you can turn to 1 John 3, what's interesting is it's not coincidental that the, the apostle of love, John, actually mentions Cain while addressing the God kind of love in 1 John, the third chapter. Listen, this is amazing. For this is the message, the announcement, which you have heard from the first. The King James says, from the beginning, that's referencing Genesis 1. That's exactly what he's referencing, Okay. That we should love one another and not be like Cain. Means we could be. Not be like Cain, who took his nature. Means he didn't have it before he took it. He took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and he killed his brother. And the question is, why? Because his deeds, his activities, his works were wicked and malicious, and his brothers were righteous and virtuous. But listen, again, it was over a process of time that this beautifully love relationship with God began to deteriorate to a place where he would literally find murder in his heart. And the Bible says, the book of James says, that if you hate your brother, detest your brother, it's like having murder in your heart. Wow. So Cain couldn't say, the devil made me do it. He was responsible over his life. And he could have turned things around if he wanted to. So he goes on and says, do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. We know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. Amen. He who does not love abides or remains or is held and kept continually in spiritual death. When I read that, I was just, are, are you kidding me? Is this, this true? 
He says, if you don't live a life of love, you're going to find yourself reaping the fruit of spiritual death. That's what he's saying there. Did I say that? No. It's written right there in 1 John. He who does not love or abides or remains is held and kept continually in spiritual death. Anyone who hates, and the word actually means detest. It doesn't mean, I hate you. You know, it can mean many things in regarding, you just have, you just really have a critical spirit against someone. Is he who does not love, abides, uh, anyone who hates, uh, abominates and detests his brother in Christ is at heart a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding or persevering uh, within him. And just just two weeks ago, we talked about relational warfare. That's what life's about. It's relational warfare. Rarely do you have a real bad argument with your dog. And you can kick your dog, throw him in the trunk, drive him down the road and let him out. He'll lick you. Try that with your wife. Try that with your husband. My point is, yeah, relational warfare. That's what it's always been since the very beginning. How often do we attempt, listen, how often do we attempt to justify our self-willed actions and at the same time believe we're in right standing with God? But that's not possible. Now, in Hebrews 11, I'll just let me quote these two scriptures. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith is the things. How many want, how many hope for a better life, a better future? We all do. That, that's in, that's in, it's in, in, inherently in us. In our, we want a better life. Amen. Then it says, verse 6, But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he is, that he is. I mean that he is. He is love, he is mercy, he is compassion, but he expects the same thing out of you. And that is your reward of them who diligently seek him, or that diligently seek him. Okay. Now, <clears throat> because faith, according to Galatians 5, 6, because faith is energized by love, there's no way we can please God and maintain right standing with him while willfully and consistently living the life of Cain, offended, bitter, strifeful, angry, resentful, and unforgiving. And yet, something we have to deal with on a daily basis or confronted with. When I do premarital counseling, in fact, I say it when you're, during marriage, and it just, it, it, it does seem so unfair that if I'm loving my wife only 30%, she's still required to love me 100%. And if I, she's only loving me 30%, I'm required to still love her 100%. And you stop and think, well, God, that's not fair. That's what God does with you. He still loves us 100%. That's right. Isn't that good? I mean, I just, just stop and think about this covenant relationship. And it's not easy. Again, for someone to live, someone has to die. And I mean, you can't be married for years without dying. You can't serve God faithfully without some death in your life. There, you have to give up. You have to forgive. You have to let go. You have to forget. Can I have an amen? It's just, it's just part of the journey. Why? Because God does it with us. Right. Now, let me close in 1 John. I, I did pretty good here. 1 John, verse 1. 
And I'm going to read out of the King James, so you can turn there if you've got your King James. Now, uh, verse 2. For the life was manifested. Let's talk about the word of life in verse 1. That was Jesus. And we, Paul, uh, John said, we've seen it. We bear witness and show unto you that, e- that we show unto you that eternal life, Jesus, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. That word fellowship means partnership. We saw partnership this past weekend. God bless you, sweetheart. I didn't know it was you that sneezed, but partnership. That word fellowship means partnership. We saw it this weekend. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied. We saw a miracle. And you you and I were part of that miracle. Can I have an amen? amen? You and I were part of that miracle. Amen. He goes on and says this. We declare... Uh, that we, you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which you have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Did you catch that? There's no darkness in God. You all agree with me on that? Amen. Amen. Then he says this. Now if, again, Every blessing is preceded by command. Now, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, or we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, the Bible says, and do not the truth. I want to go back now and read the Amplified, if you want to put that up there, if you'd be so kind. So if we say we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. But if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship True unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses and removes us from all sin, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. Now, if we say we have no sin, now watch this. I'm going to be careful and slow down. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we're sinners. Now, I added this is because you have to go back to referencing what he was talking about. He was talking about unbroken fellowship with one another. He's talking about willfully walking in darkness rather than walking in the light. So I added this. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, walking in dissension and strife with another brother or sister, we delude, we are deluded and lead ourselves astray, and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us or does not dwell in our hearts. Of course it doesn't. It's not dwelling in your hearts at that moment. Would you agree with me? Because our behavior tells us we're not. But if we freely admit that we have sinned, and we confess our sins. He is faithful and just or true to his own nature and promises uh, and will forgive our sins or dismiss our lawlessness. I like that. He'll dismiss our law, our lawlessness, our rebellion against the word of God. Can you imagine what life would be like if one day we came to God and at that moment he says, forget it, I'm not forgiving you. But yet that can actually happen if you rebel against God long enough. 
And it won't be him not forgiving you. It'll be you stopping the forgiveness from coming. The reason I say it, because right standing with God isn't just, the gift of righteousness isn't just there for you to take and to, and to pounce on, you know, and rub into the spiritual dirt of your life, and then you come out saying, I'm still in right standing with God. So, and uh, he goes on and says, he is faithful, just, true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins, dismiss all lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought, and action. So if we fail to address the relational warfare that occurs more often than we want to admit, we walk in unbroken fellowship with God and then wonder why we're not getting our breakthroughs and our prayers answered. I mean, just stop and think about this. I mean, every one of us have to really analyze our hearts in this matter. Amen. I, I, am I getting to you tonight? I mean, is it helping you tonight? Amen. That, because, you know, I've heard people say, and I've heard them say it with, with arrogance, Pastor, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to say, ah, you are an idiot. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> First, sorry. See? Guy can't hardly preach, and he ends up sinning on the pulpit. First John, first John, the... Now, let's read a couple more verses, and then we'll be done here. Because uh, it continues. Now, my little children, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it's King James. These things I write unto you, my little children, that you sin not. And if any man sins, see, God doesn't want you to live a life a, practicing sin. He wants you living a life practicing righteousness. You agree with me on that? Amen. All right. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Christ, uh, the righteous, and he is the propitiation. That word means atoning victim for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Amen. And when we read this, we automatically go tilt because, oh yeah, but, well, you know, I mean, we're not liable at the Ten Commandments. Yeah, you are. But I mean, the greatest commandment, of course, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't covet your neighbor's goods amen. or your neighbor's wife. Can I have an amen? amen? Or you won't murder your neighbor. Can I have an amen? amen. Oh, so easy. We make it so hard. <laughs> he that said... He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? The love of God, when you keep the word of God, the love of God is perfected or comes to full fruition in your life in whatever area you're exercising it, okay? All right. And um, hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Amen. So now you got to go back to the Gospels and find out how he walked. <laughs> and when you find out how Jesus walked, then you have a pattern to follow. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, verse 7, but an old commandment which you had heard from the beginning. That's Genesis 1. It's always been that. It's always. How many agree that if Cain would have stayed in love... He would have never murdered his brother. Amen. That's right. Every day we're destroying one another when we're not 
exercising the law of love. And we normally do it with our words and actions. The old commandment is from the word which you have heard from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. And that really is true. We have no excuse because the true light is shining. And we're the only ones that can put it out. Amen. The only ones. Now watch this. He that saith he's in the light and hates his brother or detests his brother is in darkness even till now. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there's no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I want the musicians to come forward. I wanted to end with that just simply to say to you, isn't that something? That a blind man knows he's blind. Except when he's spiritually blind. And sometimes we can come to church and we're sitting there and blind as a bat, spiritually speaking. Not get, can't see a thing what the pastor's saying. You know, I went to church today. I'm telling that pastor was so boring I could hardly take it. I just wanted to get out of there. Well, what happens if, and that's possible. That's possible, without a doubt. But what happens if it's actually you? That you just haven't settled some of the issues in your heart of the, the things you've been saying consistently, the things that you've been doing consistently, and for you don't realize that the darkness has come down upon you and you cannot see what God is saying. I mean, this is serious stuff. Amen. And I believe with all my heart, uh, you know, every miracle that Jesus did, there was a spiritual significance for it. When he healed blind, blind Bartimaeus, it wasn't just that he could have his natural sight. It was that he could see how good God is. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That could, oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was for that reason. When he cleansed the leper, he wanted the leper to see just how, how beautifully pure life can be when you walk with God. That you can have purity within your heart and purity within your life. Isn't that beautiful? When he cast the demons, can you imagine that man? So demon-possessed, he, he, walked, he, would, he was stripped naked, running through the, um, uh, through the um, graveyards. In, um, uh, they tried to chain him up. He bust the chains. I mean, he was just so tormented in his life. I mean, just so abused, so messed up until Jesus came. And he found out that he actually could live a life in his right mind. I said in his right mind. My heart goes out today. It does. My heart goes out today, especially to born-again spiritual believers that are on uh, mind-altering drugs because they're, de- they're depressed or this or that uh, because God wants you healed. Amen. He really does. But then you have to be a steward of your life. You have to recognize who's talking to you. Amen. If, you can, if you don't recognize who's talking to you on a daily basis, well, then you'll be in trouble. Because remember, Satan was right there talking to the prophet. Zachariah. He, I, he, I mean, yeah, I mean the high priest Joshua. He he was right there. Satan was right there. And every day you get up, that those voices start coming to you, and you better recognize where they're coming from. Oh, yeah. If they don't glorify God, shove them out and put the word of God in your heart, and the word of God will come out of your mouth, and your mind will be renewed. Can I have an amen? amen. 
But if you, if you just simply entertain evil thoughts, ungodly, immoral thoughts, that's why all this stuff is, all these traps are set today for the church. You know, all the, tra- the traps of immorality on your phones and on your computers is for a reason. It's to mess your mind up and to make you something that you were never intended to be. Man. If there was ever a day that we have to be stewards of our lives, it's today. Again, just getting when I was a little boy, I mean, the only way you could see any kind of nudity or anything was some old pervert guy try to find you a, a, a magazine. But today, my goodness, the push of a button uh, will just absolutely mess you up so bad and just keep messing you up, keep messing you up, keep messing you up and, and make you somebody that you never, ever wanted to be, torment your life. Uh, I mean, it is horrific. So don't start there. and Don't go there. Live for God. Live for God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.